Welcome to the Swinit Podcast Roundtable. This is a new series of episodes created by the Swinit Podcast and Provimi, where we'll have roundtables with experts of the global swine industry, tackling subjects that can influence the producer's bottom line. My name is Marcel Gonçalves, your host for today's episode. Provimi supports the podcast's goal of helping pork producers improve their systems and businesses. Let's get back to the podcast. Hey everyone, today we have Dr. Dean Boyd, Dr. Brent Frederick, and Mark Hosebus. And the uh, goal is to ask these guys what's going on in the pork industry. So with that, thanks everyone for joining today. Um, I would just ask for each one of you uh, to introduce yourself uh, briefly for those that don't know you which are not that many. And uh, if you can start, Dr. Boyd. Sure. I uh, have been the technical director for uh, the Hunter Company for 18 years. And at uh, present time, the, uh, David, Dr. David Rosero is in charge, and I plan to retire and consult full-time uh, end of December. Very good. Almost there. <laughs> <laughs> Super cool. How about you, Dr. Frederick? Yes, my name is Brent Frederick. Uh, grew up in South Georgia, uh, a trained nutritionist. Uh, joined Christensen Farms about 17 years ago and, and spent a lot of great time there. Have recently moved uh, to Provimi Cargill and now serve mm -hmm. as the pork innovation lead for North America. Very nice. Very good career right there as well. And and finally, you, Mark. Sure. Thanks, Marcio, for having all of us on the call today. Looking forward to it. Uh, commercial director for Cargill Animal Nutrition's uh, North American pork business. Have spent uh, about 23 years with the organization and uh, also <clears throat> had the good fortune to spend five years with Trio Foods as a live production manager with that business uh, in the midst of my professional career and uh, have been back at Cargill for a couple of years. Super cool. I lost count here, but there's probably over 60 years of swine experience on the call, so I appreciate all of you. <laughs> uh, Dean, we start with you and, and Brent and Mark and jumping anytime. So what is the state of the industry today? Uh, Marcio, uh, the state of the industry is pain, and uh, we're used to pain, but this one will again be quite severe. Uh, things are getting back somewhat uh, to normal in terms of the, the COVID-19 disruption of marketing, but as we come out of that, we come into significant economic loss. And uh, our part of it is that uh, the fall has had backreach into the summer, uh, having significantly more pigs than we really have shackle space. And estimates will vary, but um, perhaps through quarter four, uh, there may be $40 to $50 loss uh, per pig Uh, with a glimmer of hope perhaps not seen until toward the second quarter of 2021. Um, and so we're back to a point where cash is king 
-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, we're going to lose some people and have already done so. There'll be uh, some further uh, consolidation, I expect, or we expect. And um, I think producers that don't have a plant ownership or alignment are going to be particularly under extreme stress uh, unless they have uh, been involved in a in niche marketing. Interesting. Any comments there, Brent, Mark? You know, I think the uh, piece piece that I would would probably add, but but certainly supporting Dean's comments, Marcio, is you look at the twelve month uh, forward profit curve, and and no news to anybody that's listening to us today. You know, we're looking at thirty five, thirty six, forty dollar head losses for the next six months if you look at that forward curve. You get out six to twelve months, and that looks. Um, Although not good, certainly much closer to break even at about uh, two, three, four dollar head loss on average if you go out to to twelve months. And and the probably the most important fact that if you want to dig deeper around it is the, the first green ink or black ink, depending on how you want to describe that, doesn't really materialize until May of 2021. And so. The, the the question becomes, you know, how do you how do you begin to to uh, and not begin? How do you continue to survive the uh, the devastation that's going on right now across our industry? Uh, and I think we'll probably get into that a little bit later in the call. But really, this is a time of revolution and not evolution, right? And and so as we go through our discussion today, I think that's going to be one of my take home messages: is we have to we have to try do a lot of different things right now as an industry to, to maintain the participants that we want to maintain in the industry for everyone's good. Now is, now is the time to be bold. Interesting. Brand. Yeah, I would, I would echo those comments as, as we kind of think forward and, and what do we need to be thinking about right now and, and what actions are taken. Definitely, uh, as Dean mentioned, uh, conserve cash and capital and, and working on on being efficient and and lean, you know, I think there's been a, a great deal of work to to work on flows and number of pigs and and uh, try to match up the the shackles that are there so that we can get as much uh, pork uh, to the market uh, wherever that market may be uh, out there. So I think uh, definitely some some good work has been done there. Um, to, to match those up as, as best can be, but maybe a little bit more in that regard uh, going forward. I, the thing that I'd say, too, is is um, we've definitely been through some storms in the past, and, and every time we go through a crisis or, or activity uh, such as this, and, and I think Dean will kind of comment, and Mark maybe, too, on, on relative to the past, but it seems like we're we always come out of these things big, better and stronger. And, and so some of the lessons that we learn uh, don't let a, a crisis go to waste. And, and uh, to Mark's point about thinking through how we weather this, this storm most appropriately and uh, prepare for the worst, but uh, hope for the best. So. Mm -hmm. Yes. So if, if you look at the last several decades here, um, Dean, is this crisis compared to anything you've seen in the past or how is it different? Um, now, I, I have had a lot of past. I marketed my first pig in 1957. 
Wow. So I've had to go back across the decades, but um, what I can say is I think there's some similarities to 1998, but before I get there, the plant shackle space problem uh, at the present time uh, is not new to us. Typically, it would tend to hit us in the fourth quarter of the year, and we've been battling that for years. But um, the similarities to 1998 uh, were actually discussed by Joe Kearns in a, in a recent uh, discussion he had that where he indicated that coming into the end of 2020, uh, that would rival uh, 1998 in that our ability to harvest the pigs was significantly overrun and depressed uh, the domestic uptake. And he points out in particular uh, two similarities. Uh, just as in 1998, both Christmas and New Year's fall on a Friday. And so those days are out for harvest. Thursday will probably be slow, and Saturday may not be the best. And that will worsen uh, the backlog. And uh, the problem is, it, just as it did in 1998, will extend the severe uh, financial loss. So that's the one time where I think we've seen this type of uh, stress. Hmm. Interesting. Brent, Mark, there are any, any comments from your experience over, over the crisis in the last few decades? So like Dr. Boyd uh, was personally involved in the industry and trading through the 1998 crisis, and, and there are many, many similarities, and, and it felt very, very similar. I would tell you personally, this feels more extreme and, and, and more poignant. As, as, as bad as that time period in our history was, th this feels worse. And, and unfortunately, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think we, we are still past the, the worst of it. Um, I, I think we are, as an industry, very focused on the revenue side of the equation today and, and making sure we can get as many pounds of pork harvested and, and paid for for our producers as possible. Um, the flip side is you, you wouldn't think today that you'd be worried about feed costs and the cost side of the equation, but from a very cyclical and, and, and seasonal perspective, um, we may be entering a time period where we're going to see higher feed costs in terms of uh, corn meal uh, and for those that can use wheat and wheat byproducts and those kinds of things uh, you may see those those products trend higher over the course of the next six months and so we we may be facing a, a double whammy so to speak in terms of lost revenue but also a uh, and a uh, an appreciating cost complex over the course of the next six to 12 months very good any comments there Brent before we move, move forward yeah, I'd say, uh, you know, I was in graduate school in the in the 90s when that uh, was was occurring, what uh, Dean and Mark are, are talking to. So it was somewhat insulated from that. But uh, definitely in uh, since then, this is definitely the 
the most challenging uh, that we've seen for a, for a long period or, or long horizon. So making sure that we care for the people and the, and the talent that are within our industry and continue to, to move the industry forward. So good learning experience for us all. Tough one to learn, but. Mm -hmm. What what is the range of strategies that, that you guys seen, you guys have seen here in the recent past to slow picks down and uh, was it successful? And also, you know, packing capacity uh, came, came up quicker than I would anticipate it. Uh, but what is also the status of that? Yeah, definitely. Maybe I'll start us off there, Marcio, in that, you know, for, for a long period of time, we were doing so much work as an industry on trying to make it through summer and, and try to reduce, uh, whether it be seasonal infertility or growth rate through through that time. But uh, definitely this one is, is where we definitely had to pivot fast and quickly to to get some answers out to ourselves and, and the rest of the industry. And um, I think, you know, now instead of uh, replacing ractopamine and, and heat stress mitigation, we're looking towards how we can slow those down. And uh, unfortunately it was happening at a time that the temperature wasn't uh, helping us out uh, as much as well. But what I will say is the industry definitely, uh, uh, met the challenge uh, with a lot of, of good work. I think part of that work was led by uh, Iowa State, and, and what I saw there, too, is a lot of, of uh, industry folk, both producers and uh, feed companies, uh, provided data to help producers out to, to kind of fit, feather those out. And so um, I, I want to acknowledge uh, the collaboration that occurred uh, as an industry from that perspective. Uh, definitely when you think about those strategies, um, definitely high fiber, if you could find high fiber at that time was, was something that you attempted to do. But at that time, distillers definitely wasn't uh, being produced as much. Corn was relatively cheap. Um, another uh, method that was attempted and, and with some success was calcium chloride to actually uh, reduce feed intake in an ad lib situation. Those that found it at a price to ahead of time and, and could procure enough uh, definitely was able to, to put the brakes on and, and kind of help through that uh, piece. And then um, I'm sure there's others, but then the, the probably the one that I uh, heard most about, at least from, from my perspective, was kind of mostly a, a corn diet, reduce amino acids, specifically tryptophan and, and some other uh, amino acids as well, but to, to really slow them down. Um, I think there's some, some really good work by multiple groups that, that showed that uh, those were definitely a, a weight that that could be done. And I think the, the thing there, especially when you mention uh, for a shorter period of time than we were expecting that the compensatory gain specifically in that one um, if you were uh, needing to get some weight back on those animals, we're, we're able to do that as well. And I think, you know, what, I, what I've seen or heard about is, is a lot of different uh, locations within the U.S., all with a little bit different impact from COVID on the packing plants and shackles. And so it created quite a bit of variation and, and specialty that, that no one uh, 
way was was better than another one perhaps so that makes total sense um ding any comments there i'll just uh echo what Brent said, and I think what I'll do is just package it just a little bit. I think as we came out of this, um, we realized that there were uh, a couple very helpful approaches. And uh, the first uh, that Brent mentioned was kind of a rigorous reduction of intake uh, using NDF which some in the pig industry have known about, but it's pretty, it's pretty common in cattle and uh, as well as calcium chloride. So in that case, we were attempting to reduce intake, in turn growth, but not to change the composition of growth. Mm -hmm. uh, however, uh, as in some cases, we needed to get more extreme than uh, the corn approach is Brent uh, described is uh, uh, one of uh, also changing body condition, but we are composition. Mm -hmm. But it'll probably be hard to evaluate, except in um, careful side by side studies, because the period that we did it was for such a short period of time. Now, there has been a dogma out there for a time that perhaps significant shortage of lysine deficit may cause vices to increase. And if they did increase, it doesn't appear to be by very much, if at all. Um, so you have a couple different approaches. Uh, some attempted also to initiate the summer temperature or heat uh, stress by uh, affecting the temperature in the barn, had to carefully transition gradually. Uh, and I think in a number of cases that led to more vices than uh, hoped. So the first two approaches, in all honesty, were quite effective. Very good. Any thoughts there, Mark, from what you have seen? No, I think the, the, the fellows have covered this quite well. Um, and, and in particular, uh, from my seat, the speed at which we were able to cover this as an industry was 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 quite impressive. Um, cer certainly, certainly, we all wish we would have not had to learn this on the fly, and and maybe, if you will, pave the pave the road while we're driving down it. But uh, I, I think it's a great example of of different uh, entities within the industry being able to collaborate in very short notice and really speaks to, uh, you know, some of the sentiments and comments that I'd like to make sure people are thinking about today. And, and that is this whole concept of uh, changing before we're forced to and, and, and making sure we're working to be revolutionary and not just evolutionary. Very good. I have one question, then I want to get back to, to the revolution right there. So you guys discussed about the market outlook from a diet standpoint, uh, anything now that we should be thinking? Of course, we discussed about keeping costs down. Anything else diet-wise that we should be considering? Yeah, I would say that uh, it seems like, and, and I meant, alluded to this a little bit before, that it seems like there's a, uh, many producers might be in a different spot or there's a spectrum of how many 
uh, were affected or, or to what degree. Uh, some definitely uh, more than others uh, based on, you know, uh, whether they're raising wean pigs or, or following those pigs all the way to market for open market or if they own the shackles as well. So there seems to be a, a broad spectrum. And so if anything, it's probably, uh, I would say, just as much as getting as much as you can out of your nutritionist to um, help decide how much to either put on the brake or how much to, to push the accelerator uh, as there's a, it seems to be a range out there today. And so uh, being able to predict that performance, um, regardless of how short or long some of these feeding strategies are, I would definitely say it's uh, de definitely counter uh, to what's been done uh, in, in most unique times. But if anything, this is a, a, a shout out to those that are uh, marketing pigs, uh, managing space, and and working together with uh, the nutrition to to figure out how to to uh, get the right weight, and and that's probably another piece of this as well. What is the optimal market weight for your particular situation? But uh, again, the the collaborative approach uh, to be able to to get what's right for for each producer, each uh, entity. Anything there, Dean? Clearly endorse what uh, Brenda's indicated. One needs to be as cut as much cost out of the diets as possible, which in addition to using DDG's mids, corn, your bakery, to the extent that you can get it, uh, no fat should be the rule in most cases. Um, it's unclear to me why some will use fat even now, 40 to 50 pounds, except for maybe a political concern on the feed conversion erosion. Uh, and as Brent indicated, one of the very powerful ways to reduce diet cost is to reduce the weight of the pig. Now, this is something where, uh, as a part of the diet cost reduction, and so um, the uh, integrated people, such as those of the Triumph Food Group, uh, we would, if we didn't consider the plant and the output, we would put out a smaller pig. However, uh, when the plant and the field is considered, we remain with a fairly heavy pig, uh, 218 to 19 carcass pounds. But if one is, is not integrated and has the opportunity, just as Brett indicated, you need to look at uh, how much one, what, what is your optimum weight and recalculate that uh, very, very carefully. Because there is an opportunity to take dollars off, not dimes. Mm. Yes. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense figuring out the optimal market weight there. Good timing for that. Very good. Uh, Mark, revolution. You mentioned a few times. Uh, what are the most uh, successful producers right now doing to uh, couple with the crisis? Great, great question, Marcio. And I'm, I'm looking forward to getting Dean and, and, and Dr. Frederick to jump in on this as well. But I think the most successful producers in the industry right now are 
being bold as an example, not worrying about the next hundredth point of lysine in the diet and, and, and that, that five, that five cents or three cents a pig or whatever that's worth. And I'm obviously making those numbers up. Right. Um, but the, the, the principle, the principle that I'm trying to espouse here is, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate that we always tend to revert to do this in times of crisis. We should be doing this in the really great times as well. But what is out there in your operation that if you thought about it a different way, you walked around that pop can and looked at it from a different angle, you might look at it and say, wow, there's a dollar ahead on the table if I would just change X, Y, Z. Yep, we've done it that way for 25 years, but maybe we should rethink this process. And so um, I'll, I'll give you a really easy example. Uh, it has nothing to do with the, uh, with the live animal itself. Have uh, experience with a system recently that, um, that had uh, some feed manufacturing facilities inspected and audited. And at the end of that audit, uh, they happened to be using a, a bulk amino acid uh, in one of their bulk bins and uh, that producer walked away from that audit with the very simple resizing of a motor on the auger to jog in a more appropriate amount of lysine into a bin saved a hundred thousand dollars right and so on some very very obvious everyday activities as an industry I would challenge us to say we've got fifty thousand hundred thousand quarter million dollar bills laying around and and we may at times walk over those looking for a dollar and I, I think if there was ever a time to be turning over every rock and thinking about every process in your business differently this would be the time to be doing it and to your question Marcio I think the folks that are long-term survivors in the industry are the ones that are doing that right now as we speak. Very, very good. Very well said. Uh, Dean? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, the, the issue of what people are doing right now to cope with the crisis. And right now, things should have been determined uh, years ago. And so I think uh, successful people are, have already forward planned. And one of the things they have to do is to have good cash and lender retention. So one really needs to communicate carefully and closely with uh, the lender. Uh, having the lender in the dark is not a good uh, strategy. Uh, the second thing is, as been indicated, uh, you've got to execute a good plan for cost control. And um, just to summarize, we've talked about cheaper diets, market weight effect on diet costs, but also to limit our pigs to those that are viable and healthy uh, pigs that will become full value pigs. When we consider our costs, though, we need to, we need to know and sometimes it takes a committee of external counselors to know what costs add value and what costs don't. Um, also, 
we've been under such stress over and again, but as we watch the industry evolve, um, if one has not uh, made um, a significant effort to align themselves with the plant, uh, some have been fortunate to own, but at least get plant alignment and respect from the plant that can pay uh, a, a reasonable fee for the pig, uh, then uh, some of the particularly smaller ones that may not be in a position to do that may find survival long-term better as at least a portion of their pigs go into a, a niche market. And we have some wonderful examples of those that uh, have done that and done it successfully. Very good, Dean. Any thoughts there, Brandt, as well? Yeah, I'll maybe add to some of the great uh, um, points from my, my colleagues there. I, from, from what Dean said is uh, predictable performance for the lenders. If, if we are going to make uh, decisions that's going to, to uh, increase our feed efficiency, but overall diet costs are, are better, um, you know, having a clear line of sight and, and being able to, to develop that trust um, both in, in this, each other and uh, to the lenders. I think that's definitely uh, something there that they could help. And then to capitalize kind of what uh, Mark was indicating, uh, there's many times where um, one formulates and then finds out that from formulations somewhere along the path, those nutrients that you think you're, you're delivering aren't necessarily there. So um, definitely some some opportunity there. I'd say probably one of the, the other things there is, is as we have slowed these uh, animals down is uh, we, we probably have some variation to contend with and, and how we address that and, and get the most out of the, the pigs that we do have. How do we, how do we do that? But at the end of it, um, it's, it's about the forward thinking that has been done in the past and continues the adaptability and then uh, continuous contingency planning to make sure that uh, the options are there and, and uh, thinking, thinking out uh, further than, than just the, what's in here in front of us today. So definitely the successful ones do that and do that extremely well. Very good. Something that I was thinking about a week or two ago that I think everyone should revisit is the particle size. You know, if you're running 100, 200 uh, microns above what it should, it's a good time to, to revisit that. That's probably the best use of uh, um, statistical process control that I've ever seen is that. So um, definitely so. Marcio, if you wouldn't mind, uh, I'd like to go up about 10,000 feet uh, mm -hmm. to come back on the question of what should we be thinking of right now. We know that the elephant in our marketing room is how dependent we are as an industry on the export market market. Mm. And uh, some, uh, most of our partners are good partners and are within reason predictable. Uh, but the, the Chinese, I'll say Communist Party, is undependable uh, trading partner. Um, they're very business minded and uh, at the present time, with this world glut of pigs, 
China is uh, a real helpmate to us, and it comes at a time when our normally very reliable partner in Mexico, because of the COVID, is imports so far are down. But the exports to China are record. And so the as far as what should we be thinking about, I think it's all hands on deck for uh, on the export deck. Uh, we have quite a backlog. We have a lot of pigs coming based on the pig and sow report. We have far too many pigs. And with pigs being cheap and with the dollar strength where it's at, it's a great time to clear out uh, pork uh, to help ourselves. And uh, this 25 to 27% of our pork product being exported uh, is uh, not going to go cut it going forward. Uh, it's going to have to be over 30%. And we also, as an industry, uh, can pride ourselves in the fact that we really have been improving so that each year there is approximately 0.1 pigs more weaned uh, than there was the prior year. And uh, so uh, export better be very good. And if at all possible, we can't sustain a six million uh, sow population. It really needs to come back, uh, back to five six or five seven. Mm. Do, do you, do you guys think uh, the industry? And I'm not super in tune with the political side of things uh, within the industry. But is the industry doing everything we can to improve exports, or or do you see? Do you guys see any opportunity? Tunis desire or, or gaps? Sounds like a Mark question. Yeah, I, I, I would say that that, uh, <laughs> Dean, appreciate that. I, I would, <laughs> Marcio, I, I would say that uh, we've, as an industry, earned some very hard won fights with respect to the export market over the last five to 10 years. Uh, inclusive of uh, redrawing of the lines of engagement mm -hmm. around around NAFTA and and what that means for us going forward, mm -hmm. that fight, however, is never done, and it's intricately woven into the discussion that Dean just shared with us around reliable trading partners mm -hmm. versus unreliable trading partners. And so, I view the question as a bit of a give and take issue. Right? We mm -hmm. we would always like to sell more. And I think as an industry, whether that's uh, our trade organizations or uh, U.S. Meat Export Federation or the federal government more broadly, as well as state delegations where appropriate or, or where, act, where they are active, we're always trying to sell more. And so the, so the question becomes, what's the most effective way to do that? Um, and, and which partners are you going to pick to be able to make that happen? Those are complex questions and and equations to try to to put a number to i would say we can always do more we need to do more interesting very good um and, and i know dean you, you mentioned the uh political uh, feed efficiency meaning some folks uh, i've seen 
around the globe as well. Uh, no, I need I need to have this good feed efficiency. So there's this is probably the best timing in history to stop doing that. Stop uh, looking at just that number instead of of, of profitability. But that's exactly right, and it hit us uh, very hard about two thousand eight ish. But prior to that point, the person with the best feed conversion had a good probability of having the lowest cost per pound of gain. Mm. But most of the time since then, that's not been the case. And some of us went to great effort to create the studies to show our people, uh, for one, tell them forget about the pounds of feed per pound of gain, but to go to a caloric feed conversion because that's not going to vary over time. And secondly, to show them that the, I'll say the quantity, well, the, the pounds of feed per pound of gain, most cases uh, will give you uh, a higher cost to get the pig out the door. And so I think this is where the conversion to caloric feed conversion was helpful because it doesn't bounce up and down. And then secondly, to either provide or borrow the studies to help show the upper, the, the core management team uh, to gain their confidence that uh, we need to be flexible in that regard. And uh, I, th I think because of the political fee conversion that had to be delivered on, there's really been um, 50 cent to a dollar's uh, a peg loss in many cases, so. Very good. I have a last question here uh, for you guys, unless you have something else to add. Question is, and, and I know it's a tough time for the industry, but also looking to the future, five or 10 years out on a more optimistic uh, view here, what are, a device that you have for young swine professionals and or nutrition? My advice, Marcio, would be understand all the workings of the industry from, from start mm -hmm. to finish. And, and so it's easy for us as human beings to, to fall in love with mm -hmm. a certain piece of the puzzle because it's ha it happens to be what we're experts at whether that's a, a sale farm manager or a nutritionist or a accountant in the back office, right? We, we tend to gravitate towards what we know the best. My advice to youngsters in the industry is to completely and fully understand the equation that represents profit and focus on generating profit first, which will come from levers that you pull around both revenue and cost management. Certainly, we have to always be cost competitive, but profit mm -hmm. is largely, as I think on this call we all know, driven by dollars in and the revenue that we gain from the sale of our product. And so as you're thinking about the industry and your youngster, fully understand all the levers that create profit and the why around people engaging in this business. I love it. That's probably one of the most important things that could be said for the up, as advice to the up and coming generation. Uh, in terms of experience, 
get everything you can so your ability to be mobile and to think clearly above the neck is very, very highly trained. And I think Mark Hulsebus is an example of that. The mobility and the depth that he has, and he doesn't, I don't, he's not my boss, but I'm just saying this, that he has, he's of great value. And that's the kind of uh, kids we want to come forward with vast experience and ability to think. We can find people to, to shovel. Uh, we need some serious thinkers in the field of business. Yes. On that arena, something that I'm passionate about is uh, something that Elon Musk said one day, which is uh, thinking by first principles, which is like I think Mark just described, right? Break, break things down, cost and revenue and the levers. And that's how Elon Musk was able to bring the cost of you know, space 10, 10x down. But very good, Brent. I think it's well said. I, uh, I echo that. So good ending point. I appreciate that. And um, thanks so much, guys, for your time. And uh, we're looking forward to catch up face-to-face -face here in the, sometime. <laughs> well, thank you. It'd be great. Thank you. Thanks, Marcio. Good talking to you, fellas. Hey, everyone. Please share our episodes with as many people as you can so we can continue to impact the life of swine professionals from around the globe with the wisdom of our great guests. Before you go, make sure to get in our waitlist for the Swine Talks web conference, the first online conference of the global swine industry, an update on hot topics, and we're even going to have some controversial topics of the global swine industry. So you can leverage that knowledge in your day today. Go to swinetalks.com and get on our waitlist. We'll talk soon.